From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. As always, thank you to everybody who does send me an email. Uh, jump into the live chat. Uh, watch us live on YouTube and Rumble. I keep forgetting to check, but I know that you can find the various live feeds on TNT's website. Um, I generally like the YouTube one, but I suspect YouTube might start flagging TNT at some point in the new, in the near future because it doesn't generally approve of the kind of conversations that we have. Uh, history has shown, but nevertheless, it's still on YouTube and uh, the live feed's still on Rumble, I believe. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, Alex and Joel, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Sorry, I said Joel. Alex, I can't see behind you. I, I suspect Joel is, uh, is, is, is doing the video feed. Yes, it does look like Joel. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Brian Berletic, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you so much for having me back. I love chatting to you and uh, your insight is really, really good. Um, and I'm saying that because I don't think enough people, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't analyze and scrutinize what we see in the Western media. Um, and voices like yours, I think are really, really important. Oh, I, I, I appreciate that. But uh, also, I I think I know what you, you mean. And I think a lot of people who think of themselves as open minded people that have woken up about certain mm. things, they still have a lot of uh, preconceived notions uh, and, and the desire to cling to something that, that they feel comfortable with or that makes up part of their identity. And so yeah. in certain areas, they, they won't touch that. They won't challenge that. And that that just gives an opportunity for for the establishment uh, to find and create fault lines and and dividing and conquer everybody. And so even people who think of themselves as awake find themselves falling into these traps. And uh, I just think it's it's important to just keep uh, touching on all of these topics over and over again, even if some of them are a little bit sensitive, it might stir people up a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I stayed on COVID for about two years straight. I mean, you know, that's a long time to stay on one topic, but in some instances, you just have to keep hammering on the same points to, to, to try and to try and get people to perhaps rethink their positions. I, for example, have dramatically changed my position on a number of things, thanks to, you know, people like yourself. Yeah, and, and the, the whole COVID thing brings up a very good point. A lot of people who I know personally who are skeptical about absolutely everything else the Western media says and everything the Western gov governments do, when COVID came along, they, for some reason, they just went along and, and totally accepted yeah. it. And they, they became almost militant in their defense of these narratives that they should have inherently questioned. And so yeah. something like uh, human health care and uh, diseases, these are, these are things that are very, very difficult for us as ordinary people to uh, confirm on our own. And so 
you're mm. really taking a leap of faith by believing these people who you you would otherwise agree lie about absolutely everything else. And we see the same pattern uh, uh people who are waking up about what's really going on in Ukraine, but they're still, hey, let's go to war with China yes. or hey, let's round up the Muslims or, or something like That's that. The... It's, it's very scary. Brian, that is exactly something that I've noticed. I thought perhaps that the sheep, so to so to speak, all right, would have reassessed not just their views on what they claim to have thought to have known on some issues, but also the other big ones, like for example, uh, China, Iran, the Middle East, they just go straight back to how they were pre-2020. And I'm thinking, okay, so you didn't really learn anything, did you? Uh, absolutely. And and you see that it kind of, it, you know, you see people kind of uh, going on, on certain sides of very predictable sides of certain lines. Mm. So people who are kind of right leaning conservative or becoming more and more aware of other topics, they'll fall in line with, uh, I would say, establishment so-called right-wing politicians or political parties, and they'll go right along with, uh, oh, Muslims are, ta are taking over our society. Uh, and then on the left, you, you might have people who fall into the all the humanitarian, uh, what do they call it, right to uh, uh, responsibility to protect wars and going after China for supposed uh, the genocide of, of Uyghurs that is not happening, that we've gone yeah. over, we know is not happening. And yet they'll still divide themselves left and right and fall into line and go along with these narratives. And they will not question them. But what, when you do question them, just scratching even a little bit under the surface, you can see that that you're also being lied to about that. You have to be a critical thinker about absolutely everything or you're not actually critically thinking. If it's just about cer certain things that you pick and choose and everything else you're going along with, you're still kind of a sheep. You're, you're maybe a more critically thinking sheep, but you're still going in the same general direction <laughs> as everybody else. So, so let's so let's debunk a few myths, or let's let's analyze a few misconceptions here. The Middle East, of course, is the big talking point at the moment. Uh, it's the worst I think that's happened there in years. Um, it doesn't matter right now. It doesn't matter what side you take. Thousands of innocent people have been unnecessarily killed, and for some weird reason, the Anglo-American establishment completely supports this. Yes, and what's even stranger is I, I'll have people in my, you know, commenting in my videos that they'll say, Brian, I agree with you on absolutely everything uh, you say about Ukraine. You're the, you're the greatest analyst out there when it comes to Ukraine, but you're 100 percent wrong about Israel. And, and then they'll <laughs> say something like, um, you know, uh, how, you know, what about Hamas this and and uh, why don't you condemn Hamas when I actually I actually do con condemn Hamas in my, in yes. my analysis. I also condemn Israel. And and here's the thing: if you're if you see the U.S. arming and backing Ukraine, and you know that there's something completely wrong with that, why don't you also at least suspect that there's something wrong with the U.S. arming and backing Israel in a, in a very similar sort of way? And what's I guess maybe a little more complicated about the situation uh, between Israel and the Palestinians is that Hamas was maneuvered into power by Israel with U.S. help. Yes. The U.S. was aware of this. They oversaw this. They allowed this to happen. They they knew Qatar was sending billions of dollars to Hamas. Uh, Israel went out of their way to make sure that they got into power. And the reason why was because they are extremists. They're extremists. And if they were in power, it would prevent any possibility of any sort of peace and any sort of two-state solution from ever happening. The U.S. 
and and every empire before it thrives on divide and conquer. And if you have peace break out in the Middle East, that's the end of your division and your conquering. Yeah. You, then you have everyone uniting against you and pushing you out of the region. So it's very obvious when you think about it, but so many people fall into this trap, mm. pick, picking and sides. Netanyahu himself said, I think in 2019, that to fund Hamas was part of Israel's strategy. <laughs> yes, he, he openly said this. And even if you go to Israeli media, you will see them saying this. So I have people on both sides attacking me. I have people who worship Hamas, think they're a legitimate resistance organization. They will they will condemn me for pointing this out. I mean, it's just reality. It's right there in front of you. Uh, and then I also have people who support Israel who who apparently aren't aware of this or don't want to believe this, even though it is in Israeli media and it came out of the, the prime minister of Israel's own mouth. Uh, so it, it, again, it's one, one of these issues that that just demonstrates how complicated and difficult w- waking people up for real actually is. Yeah, so one of the myths that I think is worth debunking is that Hamas started it. I mean, that's quite clearly not the case. Yes, and well, first of all, even if they did, Israel put them into power deliberately so that they would do things like this. Uh, But beyond that, uh, everyone agrees that Israel is illegally occupying territory. And uh, under international law, they're they're occupying territory. They have a process called uh, settling. They have settlements. I mean, uh, that is the the big giveaway that they are encroaching on someone else's territory and pushing Mm. people out of it. Uh, so again, something that they admit, and and Israel, the Israeli people are not united behind this agenda. Uh, they have people who come out and condemn this. So that's another clue that you can look at and consider when thinking about who is right and who is wrong. Uh, so there is legitimate resistance against what Israel is doing, but they they picked Hamas because they knew just like Al Qaeda or ISIS, they would be extremists. They would be unreasonable. They would be uh, uh, unstrategic with their actions, and they would create a constant, a perpetual pretext for Israel to brutalize and displace the Palestinian people themselves. And that that's part of what this is about. The other part is you can see the U.S. has the ability to almost push a button and create turmoil in the Middle East by by stirring up the Israeli-Palestinian issue. They can get the whole region on edge, even uh, with all of these uh, peace deals being made, Saudi Arabia and Iran getting together, Syria uh, reconciling with the rest of the Arab world, they just almost like pushing a button. They just have Hamas attack mm. Israel. Israel goes in and, and starts clearing out Gaza. And now the whole region is right, right back on edge again. Okay, so yes, one, I think maybe we could just touch on um, the idea that Israel must be wiped off the face of Earth. Now, I've chatted to a few uh, journalists inside Iran, and they say a that that's a slight misinterpretation. But b, even if it were true, it's it's a very small minority who actually think that because there are so many Muslims in the world that if they really wanted to wipe out Israel, this would have been done a long time ago. That's a good point. And uh, just just think about how many Muslims there are. There's uh, over a billion Muslims in the world. If even one percent of them were the extremists that a lot of people in the West seem to think all Muslims are. The, the army would be so huge, uh, it would be unstoppable, and they already would have won long ago. Uh, but in yeah. actuality, the, the extremists are a tiny percentage. And if you 
follow the money, guess who's actually sponsoring them and encouraging them? It's yeah. actually the United States and its allies. That's who's doing it. And they're doing that on purpose to create divisions, to create a clash of civilization that allow them to uh, spread their military out across the planet. We've watched them do that over the course of over 20 years, the war on terror that continues to this day. Mm. Uh, there are people out there who hate Israel and they want to erase Israel. Like, like I said, there are unreasonable people on both sides. And, yeah. and likewise, you have people who support Israel that want to exterminate the Palestinians. Fla we actually heard Israeli politicians say flatten Gaza, nuke Gaza. Uh, so, so there's extremists on both sides. But when we're talking about Iran, the nation state, the government, the people who actually are running the country, I think I mentioned this in our previous conversation. We had the largest Jewish population in the region outside of Israel is actually in Iran. And uh, their constitution says that certain certain minorities, if they have a large enough population, they get a seat of representation in the government. The Jewish population in Iran does not reach that, that number, but they gave them one anyway. And it has a, a very uh honored place within iranian history culture and society past and present and if people knew that i think they would be uh, they would start scratching their heads and wondering you know why why do we keep hearing about uh iran wanting to kill all the jews when there's jews right there in their own country why don't they start with them why why are they being so nice to them it doesn't even make sense mm -hmm. and then then you realize you're being lied to yeah and of course the other the other one, since you mentioned Iran, is the fact that Iran somehow is part of this Hamas conspiracy against Israel. Uh, I mean, right from day one, Iran was blamed by uh, the United States, for example. Absolutely. And this is a this is an old trick. We watched the United States do this after 9-11. Uh, it was you know, if you think yeah, about it, it's always the, the brown the, people. The, <laughs> the, the majority of the, the if you believe the official narrative, the majority of the hijackers were either Saudis or they were extremists radicalized by Saudi sponsored extremism. Yeah. And the United States ended up invading and destroying every single country in the region except for for Saudi Arabia and, and, and you know, the countries that are radicalized and and cooperating with Saudi Arabia. And so you, you, the US went into Afghanistan, had really had nothing to do with Al Qaeda. And then they went into Iraq. And I remember this very distinctly, uh, the, the, the US government and the media were implying that Saddam Hussein, the Iraqi government, somehow had some link to 9-11 and Al Qaeda. And uh, Americans were making this link in their, their mind because of that inference. But when, when asked point blank, uh, does the Iraqi government have any ties to Iraq? They would say no, no, they yeah. don't. And they've done the exact same thing now with Iran and Hamas. They're trying to make this link in the mind of Americans and I think Westerners in general. But when you ask them, where is the evidence? They say there is none. There is no link. Yeah. We have no we have no actual evidence of that. We're just we're just saying that because we want to start a war with Iran. That's that's the part they won't say. But that's that is exactly why they're doing it. All roads always lead to Iran. I mean, I'm, I'm just waiting for the headline to say climate change is because of Iran. Yes. Yes. Well, we, we've seen <laughs> them do this with Russia. We're we're seeing them do this with China. And yes, they do this with Iran. And, and you say all roads lead to Iran. I've talked about this uh, 2009 policy paper from the Brookings Institution, mm. which path to Persia. That is a think tank 
in the United States, funded by the U.S. government, the arms industry and the largest corporate financier interests in the West. And it wrote a, a, a hundred over 100 pages of suggestions and policies, possible possible courses of action to provoke a war with Iran. And all throughout the paper, you have to read this paper to believe it. All throughout this paper, they're over and over again, they say Iran doesn't want a war with the U.S., they don't want a war with Israel. Uh, they'll do almost anything to get out of a war. Even if we're trying to provoke them and we bomb them, they may still not even go to war. That is a problem for us. This is what they're writing in their policy papers. They know, even though it's published uh, and available for free online, anyone could read it. They know the average American or Europeans. They know, even though it's published uh, and available for free online, anyone could read it. They know the average American or European isn't going to even look at it. If they do, they'll mm. read like half a page and get bored and close it and, and turn on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC and, and get their <laughs> propaganda. Brian Vodetic, don't go anyway. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as it reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills and we had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Brian, when was the last time Iran went looking for a fight with Israel? I don't think that they have, and I think that if ever they did, we would never have heard the end of it. It would have been brought up over and over again. We would have been hit over the head with this over and over again as a pretext to to escalate with Iran, if ever they did. Now, uh, speaking of the other way around, Israel has repeatedly carried out assassinations inside Iran. They 
They openly back terrorist organizations like Mujahideen al-Khalid, uh, and they do that alongside and with the United States. Again, if you read that paper, which Path to Persia in 2009, they talk about Mujahideen al-Khalid, which at the time in 2009 was a terrorist organization uh, listed as a terrorist organization by the U.S. State Department. And they were they were talking about how if we want to back them more openly because they were already backing them at the time, we have to get them off the U.S. State Department terrorist list. So it, it really does go to show just how how desperately the U.S. and its proxies, including Israel, have been trying to provoke Iran. And it, it shows how in reality Iran is utterly determined to avoid any sort of war with either Israel or the United States. Now, if it, they were all extremists and they were crazy and they were determined to wipe Israel off the map, why why don't we have an example of mm, some sort of mm. overt provocation by Iran against Israel or the United States? Uh, but Brian, come on, Iran has got proxies like Hezbollah. <laughs> well, I, you know, you could make that argument, but if you if you look at Hezbollah, first, if you look at the relationship between Hezbollah and Iran, it, it would be more accurate to say that they're allies. I mean, mm. uh, Hezbollah, they and Iran, I know many Westerners are deliberately left ignorant. They don't understand that there's a difference. They're just all brown and they're from that area. But actually, yeah. uh, uh, Iranians speak Farsi, uh, Hezbollah's uh, Arab organization, they speak Arabic. Uh, they have different history, they have different backgrounds, culture, everything. Uh, yes, they're Shia, Muslim, and there are certain commonalities and they are allies. But to, to say that they're just an extension of Iran, that, that really isn't true. But even if they were, look at the history of Hezbollah. Unlike Hamas, they're not a, they're not an overt terrorist organization. They do not go carrying out the sort of attacks that we see Hamas carrying out. They are a defensive organization. The, the last time that they tangled with Israel was in 2006, and they tangled with the Israeli military, not the civilian population. And the same, the same process is unfolding very slowly right now. Mm. Israel's carrying out strikes in Lebanon, and uh, Hezbollah's fighting the military, not the Israeli yeah. civilian population. Damascus too, I think, uh, recently. Oh, uh, Israel has uh, attacked so, uh, Syria, yes, and and Lebanon, mm. and the United States has mm. been carrying out strikes inside uh, Syria as well. Mm. They still have a military presence in Syria and in Iraq. So again, if you look at a map and you're looking at Iran on that map, you can see yeah. how they're still being menaced and threatened by the United States and its allies in that region. And they, you know, if it was the other way around, the United States would say, this is an act of war. We, we must go yeah. to war immediately. Iran has shown restraint for years and years now. You were joking um, a moment ago when you mentioned you know, brown people, but there is, there is something going on there. I, I don't like to throw around the word racist. I really hate the term. It's become useless and empty. But it seems to me, Brian, when, when people talk very antagonistically about Hamas, I get the feeling that they're actually referring to Muslims. They're not referring to just the group that's running Gaza. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. The The concept of racism in the West has been abused. It's used as a wedge issue. But that doesn't mean that there mm. isn't very real rampant racism in the West. I mean, I am an American. I was born and raised in the US. I was 
in the U.S. military, I saw racism with my own eyes. I, I saw it. I heard it when uh, the, the black guy or the Asian guy walked out of the office. I, I'm, you know, I'm with all these other guys and they think it's safe and they start saying what they really think. Uh, and I remember after 9-11, putting the, 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 in the command, yeah. the, the headquarters, they were putting these racist cartoons on the wall, like blatantly racist cartoons. And that there was officers walking by that and uh, apparently approving of it. So it does. It exists. And there is a concerted effort to paint all Muslims as subhumans, a threat to us. Suicide and, bombers. Yes. <laughs> and, and you can see how that's being used as a wedge issue to divide people across the mm. West. And you have people who are irrationally, uh, you know, tolerance. You have that as well, where tolerance is abused. The concept of tolerance is abused. Yeah. And the yeah. concept of racism is abused. And they use this. They have extremists on both sides that make a rational discussion about racism and tolerance impossible. And it, it, it makes uh, uh, any sort of solution to this problem impossible. And at the end of the day, I, again, these extremists that you have many people in the West who are in fear of, it's your own government who created them, yeah. brought them into yeah. the country to deliberately scare you. And, and they don't represent the vast majority of Muslims or, or any other group on earth. And you know, I always warn that it's a, it's a downhill battle for the West getting their populations up in arms to go off to war against these other countries because there is this this element of racism that they use uh, it's not just about muslims it's also about chinese people this is the one that i fear the most because I, again even yeah. when i was i was growing up uh, in in grade school i remember we we would watch videos about how it's bad to be racist against black people which i agree it is but they but then there would be like a joke or something about Asian people and everyone, even the teacher would laugh. And I, I at that time, even as a kid, I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And uh, it's because there has always been this fear, especially of China. Uh, if you read policy papers from the 1960s, they talk about the danger China poses, not to the U.S. homeland, it's, not, it's actual national security, but U.S. hegemony around the planet. Yes. They understand yeah. if China rises, empire is over we're not going to be able to push everyone around like like we used to and so but it's not if use though that. it's not if it is when china is rising and 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 a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's not only chinese excellence necessarily but it's also the implosion of the west yes and it's this obsession with stopping china's rise that yes. is actually causing the, the collapse of the west because uh, I, I always try to explain to people, China has almost five times the population of the U.S. They graduate millions more uh, engineers, scientists, mathematicians. They're going to surpass the U.S. They have a, a vastly larger industrial base, a, a bigger, better education system at this point. You trying to contain them doesn't even make sense. And as you're wasting resources trying to contain them, you're neglecting your own education system, your own infrastructure back home, your own industrial base back at home. Instead of just trying to build the best and biggest industrial base for you in your country, they're busy trying to sabotage China. And at the same time, yeah. they're neglecting everything back at home. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's not just China surpassing the U.S. It's the U.S. sabotaging themselves as this process takes place but and it if you if you just spend more than 20 seconds thinking about it like what actually would your fear legitimately be i'm looking i'm looking around me and all the technology here is pretty much from china um i have 
maybe my Apple products that come from the US. And that's about it. The US doesn't really give me much in terms of, of my daily living, but China does. And I'm very grateful for that. Yes. And, and really, honestly, think, what is your fear? Do you think the Chinese are going to, I mean, if you, especially if you're an American, do you imagine Chinese coming in on like Higgins boats or whatever their version of Higgins boats are <laughs> on, onto Long Beach or something? They're going to storm the shores and take Hollywood. No, they're not going to. They have no interest in doing that. And again, if you go to the U.S. policy papers, they themselves admit that China has a military designed entirely for the defense of China and nothing else. Even if they wanted to attack the U.S. homeland, they don't have the capability to do that. They say that in the policy yeah. papers. That's something that they're very happy about because it means they could come across the Pacific, menace China along its own shores, and there's nothing that China can do in retaliation to the U.S. back back home. Uh, and so when, when you read these policy papers, you can see who the real problem is. And again, if it was the other way around, the U.S. wouldn't tolerate this for a moment, and yet this is their... This is their policy toward China. And this is something that China has exhibited, again, just like Iran, they have exhibited immense restraint. They are not allowing themselves to be provoked into a conflict. They don't want a conflict. So what does that say about this China yeah. that we're all told to hate and fear? If they're being provoked in ways that if it was the other way around, it would already have been war. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, even JFK, a big upon JFK, RFK acknowledged that the US has what around about 850 military bases outside of the US. China has what? Two. Yes, one, one or two, something like that. And it, it has something to do with uh, some UN piracy thing, which, <laughs> you know, is that is again, it's the US that, that created that, that first created the problem and then created the solution because they wanted to have their military there to control a, a sea lane. And China said, well, you know, We'll take advantage of the fact that you made this a UN thing, and we'll 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 help you police that, and we'll also make sure you don't use it as a choke point against our shipping. Uh, but yeah, eight hundred bases versus one or two bases. Uh, if, is, if you look, sorry, go on. No, 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 um, go, go ahead. I was just going to go no, into no, no. the, the I details. I, I interrupted the, you, please. Yeah, no, go on, go on. I interrupted you. Sorry. If, if you if you go over the details of Chinese military capabilities, that they're not building up the capabilities they would need mm. to project military power around the globe in the same way the US does. I asked you earlier about Iran deliberately trying to cause a fight with Israel. What is China's history with that? It's also very limited, isn't it? I think if you if you wanted to cite one thing that they've ever done that was uh you know, could could be conceived as uh, military aggression. It, it was like a, a border skirmish with Vietnam. And that was after the U.S. already killed for, over four million people in, in Vietnam, Laos, mm. Cambodia over the course of 20 years. They had a very short armed conflict with Vietnam and then it was over. And they haven't done anything since then and all throughout Japan, the 21st century. They? Yeah, what, there was there was a bit of a skirmish with Japan, but I think that was part of the war. I might be wrong. Well, maybe World War II, uh, mm. Japan invaded China, <laughs> invaded China. So yes, China was fighting Japan, but that was again within Chinese borders, and that yeah. you know that's yeah. a very complicated history because the, the the current the current government of China hadn't come come into power yet. The the Communist Party of China. So, okay, so basically, we have we have this this propaganda that has just never ceased right it just keeps coming at us about how bad 
Chan is, how bad Iran is. And weirdly, the evidence doesn't seem to support those claims if you just spend more than 20 seconds, as I said earlier. Absolutely. And again, they they know that it doesn't. And so what they're depending on is preying on prejudices you might have. And they they infiltrate both sides, left and right, also center, and they they have saturated the the control, you know, the controlled media, the corporate media, but they also set up organizations and encourage encourage narratives that you see end up creeping into the alternative media that that get people uh, in fear over China. Or is it just the, the quick test is, is what I'm saying or thinking, is this something that the State Department has said? And if the answer is yes, then you're, you're probably repeating propaganda. It's probably not true. And I, I've heard people make, try to make this argument just because the State Department said uh, said it doesn't mean that, that it's a lie, but it it's mo most likely means that it is a lie. And uh, I think it's it's a much safer proposition to assume that it's a lie and work your way back to see if it's true than the other way around. But again, if it's if it's a personal prejudice, if someone is somewhat racist, doesn't like Chinese, doesn't doesn't like the idea of a non-white nation surpassing the collective West, because I, I know that that is a fear. You could you could see that it's a fear e even amongst mm. ordinary people in the West. And you hear these narratives; it's it's going to it's going to uh, it's going to it's going to resonate with you, even though it's being told to you by people you know generally lie about absolutely everything else. So again, it's very it's very strange to do a video about U.S. propaganda targeting China and seeing in the comment section, Brian, you're right about Ukraine, but you're totally wrong about China. China's evil, and they and they, they have a, a laundry list of. U.S. State Department talking points, and I and I just wonder where, what are they thinking when they when they do that? And when you when you point out to these people that that is a U.S. State Department talking point, they they backpedal. They don't they don't want to admit that they've been suckered into this be because of some prejudice that they have that they refuse to challenge. Uh, they just backpedal, and that that's you know that is how the establishment is advancing uh, all of these yeah. these objectives. The other the other misconception, maybe it isn't a misconception, maybe it's partly true, but for the most part, I don't think it is true. This idea that 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 China is playing a subversive game here. Ah, it's a debt trap. They're, they're investing in Africa because the long term plan is to take control of Africa. And I don't see that. I live in Africa and I see Chinese influence. I see Chinese infrastructure and and investment. I don't see any debt trap scenarios happening here that's any different or any worse than say the IMF or the World Bank, whatever. Yes, and actually we, we can directly compare and contrast what the West has done to Africa or say here in Southeast Asia where I'm based and then the influence, the type of influence uh, China has. And it's not, oh, China's just gonna do their own version of exactly what the West has done. So if you know, someone's going to control the world. It should be us. That that's actually illogical, and uh, that is a dishonest argument. China is not doing what what the West has done. I have seen the difference here. The West comes into, say, Southeast Asia. They don't build infrastructure. They're not investing in industry. They're not investing in education. They're coming in with loans for for nonsense that does not help advance the country. They get the country in debt. They begin stripping assets. We, we've watched the IMF do that. You just mentioned the IMF. That's what the IMF does. 
And, and then the other thing that the West does is they come in and they take over your political system. They infiltrate your education system. The National Endowment for Democracy comes in and takes over your political system, which includes taking over the media, the information space. And then they begin uh, shaping society in a way to make it subordinated yes. to the West. China does not do that. They don't even have an equivalent to the National Endowment for Democracy. Uh, they have educational programs, but it's training for engineers to to learn how to mm. operate and maintain the, the infrastructure that they're building together with China. Uh, so it is a completely different approach. And when you really think about uh, China and the concept of multipolarism, it's not China saying we have a superior system that's better than the West. They're not saying that. They're saying let's do multipolarism where there, where national sovereignty holds primacy. There is no single nation that dictates to the rest of the world. And we create a balance of power around the globe. It's not perfect. We're not perfect. You're not perfect. But if we have a balance of power, it'll check and balance one another. Unlike the United yeah. States that has had this uncontested power for decades, and we've watched just how badly they've abused that over the years. In actual fact, Brian, I mean, I was joking there, although I was being a bit snarky about, about China's uh, a debt trap, um, that, that whole idea. But I mean, if you think about it, I was on the South African Reserve Bank's website, okay, so South Africa's central bank, uh, and over 90% of our reserves are US dollars. So if there's a debt trap, it's certainly not coming from China. Yes, and and do you remember when uh, Sri Lanka was was going through this economic and political turmoil, and everyone was saying oh, it's Chinese debt trap diplomacy? They finally got Sri Lanka, and then if you actually look at the the graph, the pie graph of the debt the country owed everybody, China was like this very tiny sliver, and and, it, and the rest of it was like BlackRock and all Western <laughs> private institutions that held the, the vast majority of all of this debt. So it, again, yeah. it's them projecting onto China what they are doing. And maybe to a certain extent, their, their fear is these people are just as horrible as us. I'm talking about the, the Western elite, the, the leadership class. Mm. They're saying China has to be as bad as us because everyone is like us. And uh, when when they take power, there's going to be this comeuppance for us. That is their fear. And and maybe for the, the ruling elite, there might be some comeuppance. I don't know. But mm. uh, as far as, say, the Western population goes, if you if you listen to Chinese speeches and they're they're available all over the Internet, anyone interested can go read them. But again, the West, the Western media, Western politicians, no ordinary people aren't going to read them. But you don't see them talking about uh, oh, we have to contain America. We have to challenge and confront America the same way the U.S. talks about China. China does not talk about the West in, in these terms. They're, they want to cooperate, or at least they're, they say they want to cooperate. And all the evidence suggests that they do want to cooperate. They have been cooperating with the West mm. all of this time. It's the West that is now cutting China off and then hurting themselves in the process and forcing China to to work with others, and they are, and they're they are, and they're they're. It's not stopping them, and actually, they're just moving on with everyone else without the West. So, so it again, like 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 you said, like I said, the West is trying to contain China, but actually, what they're doing is sinking themselves. Brian Berlitek, don't go anywhere. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? 
But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Brian, did you see a few days ago when Putin arrived in the Middle East, did you see, did you see what happened? It was unbelievable. It's as if he is a hero. And there's some, there's some type of symbolism happening there, don't you think? So, someone somewhere was definitely trying to send a message to somebody. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, have to, you have to think about this. We hear this narrative in the West. We, we've been hearing it uh, both in the United States and across Europe, especially in regard to this proxy war being waged against Russia and Ukraine. Russia is isolated. Uh, you know, the whole the, the international community, when they say that, they mean rich white nations. They don't they don't actually mean the entire planet. They mean a very tiny yeah. minority uh, amongst the planet. And even people in the West, you can't really count them. They're just along for the ride. But they they try to depict Russia and also China as being completely isolated. But look at the reception that President Putin got. They they went out of their way to do that. They went out of their way. First, they, they snubbed Western leaders, American leaders, European leaders when they came to visit. And then they gave this type of reception to President Putin. And what, what is the message that they're, they're uh, not very subtly sending? They're, they're tired of being pushed around. And we could see what the, the, the way the West deals with its so-called allies. It's you'll do what we tell you or we will hurt you. It's a, it's a global scale mafia. And it's a global scale mafia that is kind of losing control. Nobody fears them anymore. And everyone's starting to rise up against them. And they're embracing countries like Russia and China, because when they come to the Middle East, they don't sit there and judge them or lecture them about their system. It doesn't mean that they agree with their system, but it's their system. It's not Russia. It's not China. They don't care how they run their own internal affairs. They don't want mm. Saudi Arabia or the UAE uh, going to to them and telling them how to run their affairs. It's mutual. It's called mutual respect. It's just like two people uh, talking outside. They're not going to judge each other and and tell each other, lecture each other over how they should run their affairs inside the walls of their house. It's just mm. mutual respect. It's not a lot to ask for, but it's something that the West is incapable of. But for generations, they've had this, yeah. this hegemony, and that this is just how they do business. I uh, I was chatting to uh, a French diplomat here in South Africa a 
few days ago and uh, we we're just having coffee chatting. And um, one of the things that came up was, was Russia. And uh, so she says to me, well, I mean, you know, what do you make of uh, what's going on in Russia? I mean, the economy is just imploding. And I said, what? Where do you, where do you get that from? <laughs> and then I realized that this is, this is a consequence, Brian, of Western propaganda. I mean, Russia is doing the exact opposite in spite of sanctions. Yes, uh, you know, this, despite sanctions, their economy is still growing. We, we've been reading that even the Western media finally admitting their military industrial output is seven times that of the collective West, not just Europe, not just the US, the US and Europe combined. And so how, how is that possible if their economy is imploding? And I, I talk to people who are in Russia they don't tell me anything about uh, they don't they don't look like they're starving they don't look like uh the you know they're conserving energy that life goes on as normal for them and so where where is this coming from is this what is happening or is this what they wish was happening and we're starting to see some sort of collective delusion taking root because they they're, they're not they used to be able to just say things and things would happen because they had this the momentum of of the power the West has had and the disparity between the West and the rest of the world. But all of that is disappearing. And now what is left is this, is, again, it's like uh, it's the spoiled kids of a, of a successful businessman. He passes the business on to his spoiled kids. They don't know how to run the business. They don't care about the business. They're just wasting the money on their own personal life and everything is falling apart and they'll have nothing to hand on to the next generation that's kind of what we see happening uh, across the collective wests uh, the, the the power that had been built up over generations is now being squandered and driven into the ground this is this is the result and part of it is delusion about whether or not it's even actually happening so what do you think uh what we're talking about right now like BRICS, china russia the um these sort of uh, new uh, multi multipolar um, relationships. What do you think this might mean for? Shall we segue back to Israel? I, th I think we're seeing uh, a process taking shape. I don't know if it's going to be successful in this this conflict. If you if you've been following BRICS, the concept of multipolarism, it is something that isn't happening overnight. It's happening gradually over many years. Uh, it has it has gained momentum. There's no doubt about that. I think everyone admits that now. Uh, but is it is it going to be able to solve the, the, the ongoing conflict between Israel and the Palestinians right now? I'm not so sure. I think Israel sees a window of opportunity closing and they decided we're just going to erase Gaza off the map. And I think they're trying to go for it. But uh, in the future, are they going to get another opportunity to do this? I don't think so. And I think that was the I think that was the big fear. Uh, and, and before I get into that, just think of what happened in Europe before the U.S. provoked Russia to to into this conflict in Ukraine. Germany was building Nord Stream 2 with Russia. All of Europe was talking to China about the Belt and Road Initiative. They were they were working on projects together. There were rail lines going from from China to Europe and even connecting countries here in Southeast Asia to Europe. And the U.S. saw that. They understood that Europe is going to eventually move out from under the shadow of their hegemony. They had cast over the continent since the end of World War II. And if that happened, it would be irreversible. The U.S. would never reassert control over them again. So what did they do? They created this conflict. They forced Germany to cut its ties with 
Russia by literally blowing mm -hmm. up the Nord Stream pipelines. And, and, and then they connected what was going on in Ukraine to China. And they said, look, we have to, we all have to pick a side right now. You cannot pick Russia and China. If you pick China, you're picking Russia. So everyone in Europe has irrationally cut themselves off from Russia and China, but also the rest of the world, because the rest of the world is working with Russia and China, demonstrably so. Uh, that is what the U.S. fears is going to happen in the Middle East, including with their proxies in Israel. They know eventually interests, circles of interest in Israel are going to gravitate towards multipolarism, toward cooperating with Russia and China, and no longer playing this role as a forward military operating base for the U.S., uh, which, which Israel has has played for decades to its own detriment. And so that, that's what they fear. And the greatest way to get everybody back away from from common sense and cooperation is to just stir up a war and scare people especially with yeah. a, a group like hamas brian i have to fact check you uh we all know that russia blew up its own pipelines <laughs> yes or, or or if you don't believe that they've also floated the story that ukraine did it with a with a some old rusty yacht and like eight guys uh totally crazy Totally crazy, and I don't people think people actually believe that. It. Do you? Do you? Because I, mean, I don't I mean, know I mean, anyone that believes that. Well, I don't know. CNN, CNN runs these stories. Surely there must be a handful of people that believe this stuff. Maybe <laughs> I. You know, there's. I, I'm sure that they believe most of what they say. I've I've talked to people in the Western media, and they do believe. I think genuinely believe what they're saying. I think they've convinced themselves. But I think even some of the stories that they say, even they don't actually. They don't actually buy it and they kind of they kind of just look the other yeah. way and and they're just doing their look, job one of the things i think is underlines underpins this entire conversation is misconceptions misinformation um propaganda do you think that with the rise of you know your own channel and shows like tnt uh, or stations like tnt and and sort of decentralized independent media do you think that this might help push back over time a lot of this nonsensical information that's moving around the whole time? I think it already has. I think uh, alternative media, if you want, if you want to call it that, it's just ordinary people with their own with their own reach. I think we've already had an impact on on the narratives, and I think we've wake, mm. woken a lot of people up. I think that is having an impact. Uh, I think there's still a lot of work to do, but. That's what that is what multipolarism is about. People ask me what what is the solution? Okay, Brian, we get it. This thing in Ukraine is bad. This thing in 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 Gaza is bad. But what do we do about it? What we do is we have to pick whether we're going to invest in unipolarism or multipolarism. Are we going to invest in a balance of power, sending our money away from Wall Street and London and Brussels, or are we going to continue sending our money to to them, the corporations? that underwrite everything that they do. And, mm. and it really is that simple. People get way too caught up in elections in the West. So elections are just a, a pressure relief valve. It has no impact on anything. I don't know how many elections have to come and go for people to understand this, uh, especially in the United States, uh, especially after after Trump, four years. And he he went along with everything. He, he helped in one way or another advance absolutely every agenda that was on the table. Don't forget who who was who was there inaugurating Operation Warp mm. Warp Speed. Yes, who, who was yes. that? Uh, so 
And he moved, he moved, what, he moved the um, embassy from, where was it, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem or something? I forget yes, now. yes, and he, he killed uh, a, a highly revered Iranian general, General Soleimani, and uh, he was arming Ukraine, and he was s helping set the stage for war with China. So, I mean, it, literally every single agenda that was mm. on the table, he helped move forward a little bit. Uh, but but the thing is, they want you to get caught up in, in the election, so you don't think of actually how to, to really make a difference. The best way for people to vote is with their money, with their time, with their energy. Uh, stop sending it to corporations on Wall Street. Keep it local or send it to companies that are part of multipolarism. Uh, for me, yeah. it's easy. I'm, I'm in Asia. It's very easy for me to, to keep my money out of Wall Street's hands. But it really is that easy. But, but the thing is, people want a quick solution. They want to say, I vote for this person. This person will fix it overnight. But it, it cannot happen. It didn't happen yeah. overnight. This problem wasn't created overnight. cannot be fixed overnight. But if we do work a little bit each day over time, it is going to add up. And I, I would say again, looking at just alternative media alone, it has, it has added up over time. Yeah, it has made definitely. a difference. Brian, time is now starting to run against us, so I'm going to quickly come in with a, with one more point. Um, uh, so be brief if you don't mind in your response. Sure. But the importance of having a bird's eye view over these things. Let's let's quickly horseshoe back to our our, our opening conversation. Um, Israel, Gaza. Now, I've openly said I don't take sides. But I am more critical of the Israeli government. Is that a fair position to hold? Yes, absolutely. They're a U.S. proxy. And so uh, what is the U.S. doing around the globe? And why do we believe that U.S. support for Israel is the one instance where the U.S. is making the right decision for all the right reasons? And that's why it's important to zoom out and look at what's actually happening. Look at how the conflict in the Middle East fits into the the encroachment on Russia's borders and the encirclement of China. It, you know, it is a, it's a global effort. If you zoom out and look at the map, you will see the U.S. is literally encircling Eurasia, Russia and China collectively, and Iran is right, right there at the heart of Eurasia. Uh, so, so that is what they're doing. And if you zoom out and you understand that, then every, every conflict makes sense. Don't get absorbed in the details of any one conflict. See how they're connected and how it all to get together collectively moves their agenda forward. All right, Brian, let's quickly end the week with uh, pr promoting your, your show. How do, we, uh, how do I follow you? Okay, uh, just go to YouTube, search the new Atlas, and then in the video description of every video is a, a list of all the other places you can find and follow my work. And I highly suggest people go to Telegram because I'm able to post absolutely everything on Telegram, including uh, backups of all of my videos. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to, to talk. No, it's always a pleasure on my side too. I just quickly want to ask you, how is it that you haven't been banned from YouTube? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, but I've already been uh, kicked off of Facebook. Not, not that I was very active on there anyway. And I had been kicked off of Twitter uh, until Elon Musk bought it. And I, I do every once in a while run into problems with YouTube, but I don't monetize mm. it. So maybe that's why I'm maybe still that's why. floating under the radar. <laughs> Brian Burdetic, as always, my friend, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, Alex and uh, Joel, for, for keeping the show going. I now no longer thank only Alex. I thank also Joel because he is the reason why you can see me uh, or Brian, depending on how he's feeling at the time. Um, but yes, we are live streaming 24-7 now. So uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, I think YouTube, uh, Rumble, but go on to TNT's website. You can find all the relevant links there. 
you can still listen to the show if you want. Uh, all the all the audio uh, uploads still occur. Um, I'm not entirely certain yet when the video uh, versions will be uploaded, uh, but I'll let you know once I know. Uh, if they are up, Alex, I don't know. Are they available yet? I don't think so. No. No. Alex is saying no, not yet, but they're coming soon. It's pretty exciting. I mean, how, how TNT has become this like really high quality alternative now. And I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how technology has made the world smaller. Um, and uh, please do send me an email and tell me how much you absolutely loved my show with Brian. Um, and if you have any hate mail, uh, directed at Alex and Joel, um, I'll make sure to forward it to them. <laughs> Germwarfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. I'll catch you on Monday. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Mm -hmm.